on the Northland Outdoors Radio Network, this is Northland Outdoors Radio. For the next hour, we'll give you the latest on fishing, hunting, and spending time in the outdoors all across the Northland. Welcome to Northland Outdoors Radio. Now here's your host, Brett T-Bone Amundsen. Doing almost everything but sitting still. Can you guys believe we're halfway through June already? No. No, I cannot. Where does the time go? That means we are one step closer to fall, though, which makes me happy. <laughs> well, yeah. Not, not too far out, actually. I'm embracing summer as well I can. <laughs> As we probably should. It's been a good one too. You know, I, I just I don't like summer because of the hot temperatures. It hasn't been bad. Although this weekend she's a little steamy, but it uh, hasn't been bad so far. Gotta have a little heat, but uh, I'm with you there. No, and the bugs have been manageable. The ticks came out early, but uh, still not too bad. I grew up in uh, Illinois, and we would be walking the soybeans about this time of year in the heat and humidity. It's probably why I'm living here now. <laughs> well, I saw what day was it? Wednesday morning, I think. Somebody uh, from. Where are they? From northern Minnesota, Bemidji or somewhere up there, posted a picture of the temperature Wednesday morning, 33 degrees. Perfect. <laughs> so, <laughs> God love northern Minnesota. It was a little cool in the, the, the basement of the house that morning. And I was oh, 33 degrees. That explains it then. Yeah, you wait a couple weeks. You'll find out. Yeah. <clears throat> You're going to be on the top of the world. Well, it's been a busy week, and I finally finally had the chance to get out on, and, on Mille Lacs this week, guys. There's been... <laughs> pictures coming through social media from big walleyes and big smallmouth. The fishing has been absolutely unbelievable on Mille Lacs. Finally, uh, guys, we all got to go out and fish on Mille Lacs a little bit. And uh, Monday night, though, was really interesting. I was down at an aisle at the fishing... See, it's like the fishing advisory, the Mille Lacs Fishing Advisory Council, something. They had a public meeting with the DNR was there, also uh, representatives of the tribes that are involved, Glyphwick, and uh, then the local business owners, the uh, launch owners, the resort owners, just to, just to sit and talk about what's going on down there. And we'll get into that a little bit this week on the radio show. Uh, Jamie Dittman will weigh in. He just fished there last week as part of, part of the Trolling for the Troops event. He was also up near Ely at Veterans on the Lake. We'll find out how both of those uh, events went, plus get a fishing report for you if you're planning on hitting the water this weekend. There's a new youth initiative put forth by the NRA. They're looking to expand here in the Northland. Edward Herndon, Eddie, will join us to explain what the Youth Hunter Education Challenge is and how you or your children can get involved. And as always, we're joined in the studio right now by the Northland Outdoors staff, Greg Kaiser, Brian Peterson, and Becca Clemens. Good cricket, good cricket noise. That's I was just bad. thinking I should have had a cricket sound effect lined up and cue Greg. Yeah, right an empty on. seat in the house. Perfect. Uh, Becca, I uh, wasn't able to join us this week, so. Um, uh, but uh, Brian and, and Greg are here, guys. It's almost officially summer. Are you ready for it? Yes. Yes. Greg, is yes. your boat ready yet? It is ready. I'm so excited. I'm. Uh, I've been without it all spring, and yeah, uh, yeah. so I'm going to plan on putting some hours on it. What happened? Um, well, I believe you would call it oil delivery failure. So uh, when two of your... Like you forgot to put oil no, in it? No, it had oil. Uh, <laughs> it just didn't get to the right pieces. So uh. when two of your six cylinders actually turn solid, uh, it stops working. Yeah. So now they're working. 
That's oh, exciting. Very good. It was kind of a process. It took a little while. Wow. Right? Yeah, it's uh, it's been extensive. I, I looked at uh, buying something used. I looked at a rebuild and I looked at uh, even a remanufactured and then I looked at buying new and uh, this was kind of right in the middle and and uh, so I'm excited for it. It's uh, it should be ready to rock and roll, and I got a few hours to go uh, just tool around and break it in. But uh, man, I can't wait. I just feel bad that you this will be your first chance to get on the water so far this year. It's it's a half over. Uh, no, it's not. <laughs> it's like three quarters done. No, no, no. I don't know, man. Well, oh, yeah. get that boat ready. Let's dump it in and go bow fishing. Well, that could work. <laughs> that could work. It sits pretty, pretty. Yeah. I don't know. How do you shoot at 40 water? miles an hour? Oh, right? We'll find a draft way. just a little bit of water. So. <laughs> you know, we were doing that the other night, actually. It's it's funny that you say that because I, I got to go out with uh, Adam Heron, uh, Ryan Kempe, and Cody Rayberger. And we, we took two boats out and we uh, we got into some shallow water. We got into some where the, it, the rains had caused the water to go up a little bit and the grass was starting to get a little bit of flooded. Those carp like to get into that grass and Man, we we fished with our bows. We bow fished, and we shot some some carp in the in the current and in the in the river and everything. But then once we got into that grass, we just literally parked, and there were fish everywhere. And all of a sudden, they just appear out of nowhere. And it was funny. I was listening to the guys in the other boat, and we were fishing next to them for about an hour. We just got into this little backwater spot for like an hour and just sat. And we'd kind of just kind of meander through the grass and through the little channels here and there. The, the other boat, we just sat there and watched them. They never moved. And like every 15 minutes I'd hear, we haven't moved yet. <laughs> and they're just, you can hear arrows rattling off the side of the boat and oh man, just having a blast. And um, we finally had to give up after a couple of hours because one of the batteries finally, finally quit on one of the boats and their lights went yeah. And it was, you know, it was total darkness at that point. So we had to tow the one boat back to the landing. And as we're doing it, I'm up in front of the, the tow boat, lights lit and lighting up this uh, river we're on. And we're passing suckers and, you know, we're seeing muskrats swimming along the side of us. And it was just a really neat experience. And I hadn't, I'd never shot a sucker with my bow. Well, that, you know, you can shoot 20 pound carp. That's a big target. Shooting a sucker while you're moving. Not so much. <laughs> Towing another boat. So... Finally, uh, you know, uh, there was two of us. Ryan Kempe was shooting two in the back boat, and I was shooting up in the front boat, and we're trying to hit suckers as we're tooling up the river. And, and we did connect on a couple of them, so it can be done. It can be done. It was uh, it was a lot of fun. Have you guys done that before? You've ever bow fished? Have not. No, would love to. It is uh, it is a good good time. And those you know those carp are invasive species anyway. They're you know they they uh, change the vegetation in the lake. They uh, can eat eggs. They destroy. They they lay millions and millions of eggs like every other Tuesday pretty much I think is the official <laughs> every other Tuesday biological yeah. uh, cycle for them but uh, they're they're damaging for us here in the uh, America in the America but uh, elsewhere in the world they're, I, they're the easily misunderstood super villain of the American waterways I think is uh, the best way to say it. They're not really good for us, but in other parts of the world, one man's trash is another man's treasure. It's time to learn more than you ever wanted to know about carp. More than you ever wanted to know about carp. More than you ever wanted to know about carp. More than you ever wanted to know about All right, guys, where are common carp native to? Is it A... The Mississippi River, B, Europe and Asia, or C, the the Baltic Sea. Brian, um, I would go with B. 
be Greg. Uh, it's not Becca's turn. It's. <laughs> I, oh, could, yeah. I could probably speak for Becca. <laughs> okay. Okay, Becca. <laughs> I'll go with B as well. <laughs> I would say Europe and Asia. Europe and Asia is the correct answer. Uh, they were intentionally introduced to the Midwest as a game fish in the 1880s. And of course, they've uh, exploded since then. How many states are they established in? Is it A, 25, B, 48, or C, 50? 50. Becca. I'm going to say the lower 48. (laughs) Greg. 48 sounds good. And Brian. Yeah, I'll go with 48. 48 is the correct answer. Uh, They're more prominent here in Minnesota, of course. They're more prominent in the southern part of Minnesota, but they have been creeping northward. You know, you hear about the efforts, like on the rivers, the Mississippi, where they're trying to keep carp from from moving further north into Minnesota. Question number three on Northland Outdoors Radio. More than you ever wanted to know about carp. There are a few variations of carp species. Which one is native to Minnesota? Is it A, Asian carp? Just going to let that one sink in for just a minute. Or Asian carp native to Minnesota. Becca like that. She's laughing. (laughs) (laughs) B, buffalo, or C, grass carp? Greg. Buffalo. Buffalo, Brian. Um, I'll go with buffalo. Buffalo. Buffalo is the... Oh, I'm sorry. Becca. Becca? Uh, I think Brian's right. Buffalo. (laughs) (laughs) Buffalo is the correct answer. All right, the next question. The UK is a thriving carp angling market. It is the fastest growing angling market in the UK and has spawned a number of specialized carp angling publications, such as A, Carpology, B, Carping with the Stars, or C, SpongeBob Square Carp. Who wrote this? Sweet. Oh my gosh. Carpology. Okay, Brian? Carpology. Carpology. Becca. Carpology. Carpology is the correct answer. More than you ever wanted to know about carp. I think Becca's our winner this week. Yeah, I think think so. Even when she's not here. Congratulations, uh, Becca. Various species of carp have been domesticated and reared as food fish across Europe and Asia for thousands of years. The carp uh, over there go back way, way back. These various species appear to have been domestically have been domesticated independently, as the various domesticated carp species are native to different parts of Eurasia. How did you guys ever think we'd ever talk about Eurasia on Northland Outdoors Radio? Yes. (laughs) (laughs) So aquaculture has been pursued in China for at least two thousand four hundred years. There's uh, there's evidence uh, this uh, in the fifth century BC. There's writings that detail many of the ways carp were raised in ponds. That's a long time ago. Even though demand for carp has declined due to better tasting fish like trout and salmon becoming more available in Asia, the farming of carp continues to surpass the total amount of farmed fish volume of intensively sea farm species such as salmon and tuna. So they still farm more carp than salmon or tuna over there. Uh, Big head carp, by the way, is uh, enjoyed in many parts of the world. It has not become as popular here in North America, uh, probably because it's got the name carp in it, but it's uh, the, the flesh, the, the meat on it is a lot different. It's uh, white meat, it's a lot firmer, it's different from the common carp, which is darker and richer. And I've eaten the others too. Have you eaten? I was gonna oh, ask yeah. you that. I, I have had uh, common carp before, and it wasn't bad. 
Um, uh, Greg, I know you keep bugging me. Hey, next time you go bow fishing, will you bring me back a carp? You're all excited about eating some carp. Well, I'd, I'd like to put it on the smoker. I've eaten it fried, and I'd rather feed it to a dog that way. But but uh, that's just my opinion. But car, uh, smoked carp isn't so bad. You brine it and put it no. on the smoker. We'd but as a kid, we'd go out and uh, go into the streams in the in the summertime uh, when the water gets real low, and we'd hand fish them. And we'd also angle for them. And surprisingly, they're, they can be very, very difficult to catch hook and line. Oh, right. Uh, so you can go out on a, a lake like Mille Lacs or some of these bigger lakes. And uh, it's a real challenge. You guys fly fish them and, and uh, whatever. So, I mean, and these Europeans you're talking about, they spend a ton of cash to come over on some of these lakes where they've got good par- uh, populations of carp. And uh, they have resorts based around it. And they have specialized equipment. And, and they revere them as, uh, as we do some of our game fish. So it's, it's interesting to see that perspective, how because uh, I think it is the most sought-after game fish in the world, technically, uh, the carp. Oh, they're definitely feisty. They're, I guess, fun to catch. And they're big. Yeah. yeah, I mean, we'd put sweet corn on a hook and and uh, catch them that way. But hand fishing too, that that's an adventure. You ever you ever <laughs> snag one like in the tail? Accident, you know, hook one, fall hook one accidentally. You want to talk about like a twenty-five pound fish? Foul hooked and just madder than heck. Yeah, bulldog. <laughs> yeah, those fit carp are fun, and I there's actually uh, a segment of the population now that fly fishes for carp. Yeah, you know around here, mm-hmm. and it's becoming more and more popular. And I, I can see the appeal. There, well, there's fun fish to catch. Spooky. That's too bad. Uh, Beck is not here because the winner of more than you ever wanted to know about carp this week would have been a smoked carp and. I sure, I'm sure she's very disappointed not to get uh, a fresh carp. We can put that in the fridge for her. <laughs> to eat. On. Northland Outdoors Radio, that's uh, Greg Kaiser and Brian Peterson. Brian, you, you need to get some trout while you're up in the Boundary Waters this weekend. Yeah. Um, actually, it's, it's more than just about uh, trout fishing. It's the Boundary Water Expo. I know, it's, but my point is you need to grab some trout for us uh, while you're up there. I, <laughs> you know what? I don't see anything on the agenda about trout, believe it or not. Um, there's everything else on here. Fire ecology, photography, dead fish polo. Maybe that's... that's what in the heck is dead fish polo? I, I, I can't wait to find out. Um, also, the making of bannock bread, which we featured in our spring magazine. Um, uh, traveling like a wilderness guide. Uh, beer tasting, of course. <laughs> that's a good idea. Yeah. yeah. Well, there are some good microbrews up there. I've had a few of them when I've been up around Ely and, and uh, Gunflint Trail and places up there. There's, you know, they're popping up everywhere, but there's some good ones up there. Yeah, and those will be featured at the beer tasting, which is kind of why I'm going. Is that the, the, the top of your agenda? That's, that's, that's 8 a.m. I've got that highlighted. The other ones are just kind of there. Uh, what is this exactly that you're going up for? It's the Boundary Waters Expo. It's, uh, I think it's been going on for a decade or so. And it's everything you want to know about what goes on in the Boundary Waters from survival to birding to bear proofing your camp. Um, if it's if it involves the Boundary Waters, it'll be uh, it'll be there this weekend. Where is it taking place? What are the dates? What are the hours? And if somebody listening right now that's up around there wants to go to it. It's uh, all day Saturday and Sunday. Uh, Saturday starts at 9 a.m., runs to 6. Sunday, a little smaller window. It's uh, 10 a.m. to 4 p.m. And it's at the far end of the Gunflint Trail. Um, just basically go on the Gunflint tra- Trail to mile marker 54, I believe it is, and you'll be there. Are you going? Is that is? Are you going to see Will Steger while you're up there? Uh, I believe he's there. Um, so yeah. There was some yeah. There was some event where there was some explorers speaking. There's several. There's uh, Lonnie Dupree will be there. Um, 
yeah, I mean, there's a lot of, uh, of backcountry types who will be there. Any, do either one of you guys own mucklucks? They're awesome, but I don't. They are awesome, but I do not as well. I know. I, I looked. I almost bought a pair when I was up there last winter when we were up there in Ely fishing. And I saw the forecast, and they might come in handy this weekend. <laughs> my, uh, my buddy got married in the winter on a lake, and uh, they went with uh, wearing their mucklucks and in traditional garb and got married in a big fur beaver fur coat and nice did it uh kind of in a traditional fashion so he still wears them loves them wears them all the time that's a good wife right there yeah when you can get married in mucklucks <laughs> on the lake on the, the lake <laughs> that's awesome well brian hopefully you'll see a moose while you're up there i just want to check out this dead fish polo <laughs> i think it goes hand in hand with the beer tasting <laughs> i don't know if you guys saw the story but the u.s fish and wildlife service uh responded to a petition filed last year by the center for biological diversity and said protection of Minnesota's moose may be warranted. Now, this has kind of been the big news the last uh, week or so, two weeks. People have been talking about this. Oh, are the moose going to be on the federally endangered species list? Now, everybody just needs to just slow down for just a second. Because all it is, is there's an organization out there that is uh, uh, wants to hug all the animals and... And that's and that's what they do. They want to go out and find the animals that are in trouble and save them. Great, that's that's fantastic. And they just filed a petition with U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. Now the problem with this is that the Minnesota moose are struggling, and there's no question they close the hunting seasons on them. They're spending millions on research to find out what's going on with them. But the same subspecies of moose is in North Dakota, in western North Dakota, and they're thriving. So what is going on with the Minnesota moose? That's not going on with the same subspecies of moose in northwestern North Dakota that's thriving. It's, they're saying it's a record number of moose hunting licenses in western North Dakota this year. There's, there's a population of moose in northeastern North Dakota that are also struggling, but I'm assuming they're facing some of these same, same situations that, that the Minnesota moose are. So what could be happening? Hmm. I don't know. I, I do know they, they spotted some moose basically in Bismarck. <laughs> yeah. recently so it's it's weird you know i used to live in in fargo and i remember driving uh i was down in south central north dakota actually one time we were snow goose hunting and we looked and there's a there was a harvested cornfield and off in the distance i'm like geez look at that cow that's standing out in the what a weird place for you know a cow it must have gotten out of the pasture Cows you know it's, and uh it's standing out in the middle and we stopped and we kind of looked at it i'm like that's a big cow <laughs> that's a moose <laughs> That's a moose. And then coming back one time, I was coming in on 94 into West Fargo and on the south side of 94, right on, right on the edge of town in a, uh, I don't remember, some, some wheat field or something out there. <laughs> There's a moose just standing there out in the prairie. Just weird to see moose out in the prairie like that in the heavy agricultural country of North Dakota. When you, when you picture moose, you think of that northeastern Minnesota uh, landscape. So it's weird to see them in North Dakota, but you know, in the western side of the state, they seem to be same subspecies doing well. So uh, the bottom line is it's not the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service. It's not the people that run the endangered species list saying, hey, we need to put moose on there. It's just an organization that cares about animals that says, maybe we should do this. And to me, there may be hints of wanting to stop moose hunting in there. Maybe I'm just speculating because that's what I do. I would like to start a petition to start wolf hunting again. Well, well did I say there's, I'm sorry. so I, there's kind of, I think maybe there's some similarities there. So if, 
the U.S. Fish and Wildlife Service feels like there's it should be on the federally endangered species list, the moose, uh, it would take a couple of years for that to happen anyway. So nothing is going to happen right away. There's no question that moose definitely need our attention and need some help. We want to see moose, uh, the moose population rebound. This is Northland Outdoors Radio. A foul of the law. Yes, time for running a foul of the law here. CEO Mark Hopkins from Tower, Minnesota, issued a beaver permit to remove beaver that were blocking navigational waters. He also took a call of an injured wolf. But upon investigation by the officer, the wolf turned out to be a husky. True or false, Brian? Uh, I'd say that's probably true. It is true. Thank you very much. CEO Don Bozofsky of Hibbing found an angler in a boat operating in high winds, purposely driving in circles and taking on water. He was found not to have a fishing license, only one life jacket in the the boat for the two people that were on board and was arrested for, wait for it, boating under the influence of operating the boat at two and a half times the legal limit of alcohol. Greg, is that true? That sounds about right. That is true, of course. CEO Randy Patton took a bear complaint where the bear somehow opened the door of a truck and got inside the cab, causing damage, which included chewing up the steering wheel. Uh, the bear did at least fill the gas tank when he was done. <laughs> he was considerate in that true. True or false, uh, Brian? No, not going to do Becca? <laughs> I'm sorry, true or false, Becca? Oh, those cute bears. Oh, those crazy bears, but I'd say it's false. Uh, it is, uh, f- well, it's true up until the uh, filling the gas tank part. He did. There was a bear that climbed inside a truck and chewed up the steering wheel. Clearly not that thoughtful. Yeah. All right, that is running a foul of the law. Becca's our winner once again. <laughs> Congratulations, thank you, thank you Becca. Hey, we want to say congratulations to the organizers of uh, the Teen Fishing Challenge. Uh, they raised $250,000 for the Minnesota Adult and Teen Challenge. Wow. Stu Nelson and Rich Bremer of Cloquet set a record this year with the most money raised by a team. They already have more than $92,000 on the books, more money coming in. I, I, I don't know for sure, but there's been a, a couple of guys, Brian, we were talking about this off the air. There's been a couple of guys that have historically... Uh, raise the most money each year that might be this pair i think it's them and uh we uh, uh featured this in our summer magazine the, the uh, minnesota fishing challenge and we also did a, a sidebar on, on these two and i believe it's the same if it is this would put them well over a quarter of a million in their year their eight years of, of participating unbelievable in this, which is yeah unbelievable that's awesome that's great it is awesome a record number of teams this year 134 fish gall lake during the eighth annual minnesota fishing challenge a multi-species fishing tournament you can read more about the results and uh, find out which anglers did well and which ones uh won trophies and things like that go to northlandoutdoors.com brian peterson thank you very much Thank you. We'll see you at the Boundary Waters Expo at the uh, beer tasting. Have fun. Greg, thank you very much. Enjoy your, thank you. Enjoy getting out on the water finally. I'm going boating. <laughs> and Becca Clemens, thank you very much. Fred, it was real. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Uh, coming up, we've got Eddie Herndon from the NRA talking about the Youth, hunting, uh, youth, hunter, educa- youth hunter Education Challenge. Did I get that right? Well, he'll, he'll correct me if I'm wrong. Also, Jamie Dittman is next. He's got a fishing report for us on Northland Outdoors Radio. How would you like this to be the sound of your alarm clock? 
The Lakeshore Kings have your chance to spend weekends and weekdays in Lake Country with the unique opportunity to own and operate your own resort. Birchhaven Resort on Birch Lake near Hackensack offers sunset views from its sandy beach and comfortable cabins. And it's on the market at an extremely reasonable price. Contact Steve Leary or Preston Peters of Exit Lakes Realty by visiting lakeshorekings.com. That's lakeshorekings.com. And begin your life at the lake today. You're listening to Northland Outdoors Radio.